hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pansky. So we are back this week with another guest episode, and our guest is Lala Luscious, and she is a drag queen based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Lala and I had a really great conversation talking about all things drag being a drag queen, Lala's journey, how she got started. We talked a lot about some of the law issues going on right now regarding drag queens. So ridiculous that this is happening. And overall, Lala had a lot of great actionable advice to give in terms of mindset shift and owning who you are and manifesting that you can be whoever you want to be, which I found to be so inspiring and impactful. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode and I really hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our episode with this week's guest, Lala. Hello, Lala. Welcome to Shamelessly Unapologetic. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. I would say that I live my life shamelessly and unapologetically. I'm How, so excited to be here. Yes, I love that. And I always have creators on who live their lives shamelessly and unapologetically. And that's why I'm so choosy with the people that I want to have on my show because I feel like they just fit the brand and the whole vibe of the podcast in general. So it is such a pleasure to have you on. I am so excited to have a good conversation today. Thank you for reaching out. How did you find me? I guess I should ask. <laughs> so when I like am scouting out guests, I typically will use Matchmaker or TikTok or even Instagram. That's typically where I find people. Awesome. That's yeah. a great system. You know what? No one's ever asked me that like on the actual show before. So I, I love that. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, people want to ask, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'll be fully transparent with my audience is like, I use a website that can help me find podcast guests or it'll be TikTok or it'll be Instagram. So now people know. <laughs> well, absolutely. I think podcasting, at least for me, um, has always been about building connections and it really doesn't matter where they come from. Um, my first friend in podcasting is all the way in the UK and I met them on Instagram. So uh, whatever platform you're using, if you're connecting with people, you're doing it right. Yeah, absolutely. And I still try and stay in touch with my previous guests. Um, because again, like you mentioned, connection is so important. It's like, you're not just, you know, on the show one time and go, it's like, you know, let's say connected on social media. I will still like support your content because that's literally what it's about. Otherwise it would just come across as like really inauthentic, you know? Yes. And I've had so many doors open because of people I've worked with with podcasting. Um, and even like when I released my book, uh, one of the people I had as a guest like reviewed it on their website and, it, it, you know, was able to help me with sales and stuff. You never know what's going to happen with the connections you make. And that's what makes it so beautiful. Exactly. I love that so much. So Lala, while I have you here, why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? Oh, well, my name is formerly Lala the Snack Luscious. I am the snack of the Twin Cities, and I am a drag queen. Hey. I perform, gosh, I perform all the time. Uh, I run a show right now. It's called Power, and what we do is we uplift performers, drag performers that are of color and those that are trans and non-binary because I've kind of felt that in our scene here in Minneapolis, at least, those performers don't get as much visibility mm -hmm. uh, and that we're going to be two years old this coming June. Um, and we started at a small little bar in St. Paul and then since have grown. Now we have two br drag brunches at two different venues in Minneapolis. So I'm really proud to run that. And then outside of that, I do have my own podcast it's called Snack Size the Podcast. I've not made an episode in a while just because I've been super busy. Mm -hmm. um, I also broke into my acting career this year. I did an independent film um had an appearance on Jay Leno's TV show that was super cool and I did a local talk show because I was on Jay Leno's TV show which is oh my god I did I did I have wanted to be like on Oprah since I was little but now Oprah's no longer right so then this local talk show host like asked me I was like I did my first talk show it was totally a dream come true like that was probably the most exciting part of my year and so I'm just focusing on my other projects and then still trying to perform because maintaining drag is it, it's work I do so yeah. and make all my own looks and do my own makeup and do my own hair. So I keep myself busy. Yeah. How do you manage all that on top of like your drag performances and then all your side projects? I'm honestly always working ahead. So when P when something comes out for me or 
something's being released I usually did it like ages ago um I know you and I were talking before recording I said I just did a pageant well uh I recently won a local local drag pageant which I can totally talk about what local drag pageants are if it goes yeah out. yeah I'd love to hear yeah. more about that yeah but it uh I thought it was in November and they ended up pushing it to February so by the time it hit like I was already done with everything so I was like you know all the stuff is done I just d- did it and I went so I'm a huge believer in working ahead the pandemic allowed me to get ahead because the world kind of stopped and mm-hmm. then I just never stopped working ahead so that's how I manage it yeah yeah, no, that's awesome. That's really awesome. I feel like I, sometimes I wish I could say I was like one step ahead when it comes to my content. Cause I manage my YouTube channel, my podcast, which I like recently was taking a break. And so now I'm launching season three next week. And of course, like when this episode comes out, we'll already be deep into season three by now, but yeah. So it's like, I typically take like a typically a two month break after the holidays just to kind of decompress and then start, you know, bringing on new guests. So at least I can pre-record the guest episodes that's typically like what I do to like I guess that's like my step ahead thing so yeah I I get that done because like my format of my podcast is is I do a solo episode and a guest episode every other week so it really balances it out I love that I have more guest episodes than I do solo episodes I need to get into more solo so the fact that you do it every other week is such a commitment yeah yeah I I think for me like I love just kind of airing all of my dirty laundry out on the internet that's just something I've been doing for years (laughs) I love it yeah and so like with the solo episodes it gives me a really good opportunity to like share things that I normally wouldn't really talk about on my YouTube channel or just wouldn't make sense it's like oh you know what that's probably better for a podcast episode and I just feel like for those who do follow me it you know, can connect my audience even more so they can learn even more things about them. But, you know, if they never listen to my podcast then they'll never know other cool things about me, I suppose. And also just like how I interact with other people. And so I always say like the guest episodes are so much fun. I love the interactions and the connections that I make. And so, yeah, it's been really good. And then I have other side projects. I typically am a corporate girly. I got laid off from Amazon back, um, or I guess you could say last month. Um, so that's- Oh, really? Oh yeah, it sucked. Like the tech market is just awful right now. So normally I'm a technical recruiter, but I don't think it's worth applying to jobs right now. The market is shit, especially for us recruiters, because everyone has like all the recruiters basically have been getting laid off and there's like no good tech recruiting jobs right now. So I do have a part-time job, thankfully that I still get to work remotely. So that helps a little bit, but you know, it probably won't be enough. So probably when I get back from my trip, which I'm going to Dubai later on this week. Um, oh my uh, goodness, that's amazing. I, I know, I know. And so obviously like by the time this episode comes out, I will have already gone. But yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. So, so much to do tomorrow with packing and all that. But yeah, so basically that's just kind of all the chaos that I deal with. So yeah, I totally understand like how hard it is to do all that balancing, but it's really cool to hear it like from someone who is a drag performer because that really is a huge commitment. Yeah. What's your main dream? Like, what's the goal? Like, would you want to be like a full-time podcaster or like, what's the end goal? Oh yeah. Great question. Uh, just a full-time content and creator in general. Um, I'm just still not there yet when it comes to like, you know, making more money than what I want. But you know, for me, I love having a creative outlet working in corporate for so long. I have a really big personality and, you know, being a woman, a lot of people will take a woman with a strong forward personality the wrong way all the time. We're labeled as rude or bitchy or we're unprofessional. Like I've heard it all, trust me. And it's like, nah, I'm just very direct and straightforward, but I also have a a zero bullshit tolerance. So if you hear me talking, it tells you that like, I'm going to call you out on your bullshit. I'm going to be direct and firm. I just feel like people don't really value honesty these days. People don't value honesty and people only, they don't really want to hear the truth. They want you to agree with them. And that's Mm -hmm. not really any way you should live life. I have always said, I'm a very direct and straightforward and big personality, just like you. And I don't really see anything wrong with it. I think that there is a transparency and an honesty with being able to speak your mind truthfully and honestly, as long as it's done respectfully. I feel like I would rather work with somebody where I always know where they're at than somebody who's maybe more passive and wondering. So don't apologize for that. I support you in that girl. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. And it's like, I have talked about this so many times on my podcast. I do believe there's a fine line between just being like 
an asshole about it, but also, but then like there's being that person who is direct, who may sound like they're kind of hard and they're being mean, but it's really all done with good intentions. And I believe like everything that I say and do is done with good intentions. And some people just always are misunderstanding me and it sucks. And then it's like, I end up having to get maybe a little bit defensive to defend myself. Cause it's like, no, you don't fucking get it. Like clearly you're not my people. You don't understand what it means to have a strong personality. And what I'm getting from you is that you can't, you can't handle it. No. And honestly, it's so interesting that you said that when you say people don't understand me, one of the most important things about doing drag or anything really in entertainment and if you're content creator or anything is that you have to let go of the need to be understood in order to allow yourself to do whatever it is you're meant to do. If you want to be a star, if you want to be great, you cannot hold on to, oh, I need people to understand everything. No, you put it out there and you'd hope that they do, or you're thankful for the people that do understand it. But I know that as soon as I decided to put on a wig and heels, I did not need everyone in my life to understand it. And a lot of people did not. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, but those people, you know, uh, just sort of, you know, saw their way out of my life and not always in a negative and dramatic way. It just, you know, we just, it just happens that new people came in and I'm very thankful for that, so. I absolutely love this. And I think this kind of leads me on to the next thing that I was going to ask. And this is something that I typically ask every guest that comes on my show, but Lala, what would you say is the biggest thing you are mostly unapologetic about? Oh gosh. You know, that is a great question. I would say (laughs) it is for being blunt. I live in Minnesota. I don't know if you've heard of Minnesota nice. It is a real thing where basically it is a very unique form of passive aggressive. Okay. Um, I moved here from Indiana, so I'm not from here. I didn't, you know, wasn't really like brought up in that way and I am not always liked because I'm blunt but I appreciate honesty and I value transparency and I'm not just blunt and honest when it's you know like a bad situation like I work with uh, a lot of marginalized performers and they'll say that one of the things that they appreciate about working with me is that they you know I'm very transparent about pay like how, how or you know like what I need in terms of the background of the show like I was like if you need to see my process as a show director because I do direct a lot of things I'm very transparent with you um and I think that's the way you should be with people mm-hmm. I don't think that honesty and bluntness and you know speaking your mind needs to have this negative connotation because at the end of the day no one likes a liar either or no one likes someone who's dishonest so um yeah, I'm unapologetically and shamelessly about the fact that I can definitely speak my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's wild because it's like, where do we draw the line in the sand? Because it's like one side, it's like we don't like the honesty, but then we also don't liars. So it's like, where's that in between? It's it's so frustrating and tough. And it's like you always feel like you have to walk on eggshells, but then it's like, no, like fuck your comfort because it's like, and I'm not doing this to like be spiteful and you're probably not doing it to be spiteful either. It's like, you just want to express yourself in your truest form. And it's like, well, you're going to have a problem if I do it this way, you're going to have a problem if I do it the other way. So clearly you're just going to have a problem regardless. And I will just, you know, I'm going to be like, okay, whatever. That's your problem. Yeah, it's all about your intentions. Like, and I know that we we touched on it before. It's basically like, you need to know what your intentions are. If they're good, even if it's not portrayed, you know, in the best, absolute, most wonderful light ever, good intentions will always shine through. Um, And I think if you keep good intentions, being honest and being blunt, it'll always work out in the end. I mean, it's honestly always worked out for me. Yeah, (laughs) and you know what they say, the girls that get it, get it. And the girls that don't, don't. And that's fine. They don't need to. It's not for them. They're not ready. They're not there yet. How's the weather down there? Because I'm all the way up here. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I've never heard that one. I'll have to steal that eventually. If I find a, if I find an applicable situation, how's the, how's the weather down there? Cause I'm way up here. That's so genius. (laughs) So I am so excited to hear more about like your journey of becoming a drag queen I'd love to learn a little bit more how that started especially with like you being out in the midwest I know sometimes it can be really brutal out there with it being a more conservative vibe so it's like how have you like been able to like go through that process and start drag and you know make a great name for yourself out there yeah I'm gonna try to give you like the super condensed version um if anybody wants to know like a more in-depth history I definitely talk about it a lot on my podcast but So I went to an all-male school in Indiana, 
And we had a gay straight alliance at my school, which was basically like two out gay guys and a bunch of very supportive straight guys. And this was in 2006. So, I mean, this was definitely way before like a lot of the progression had happened for the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, I was Um, in middle school during that time. Yeah, yeah. So in college, I... my this gay straight alliance wanted to have a drag show and the school would only pay for it if a student did the show mm-hmm. so when we got that message saying like oh we'll only pay for it if a student does it it was basically down to me and the other gay guy long story short we argued and argued and argued about who was going to do it it came down to the day before we like had to turn in the budget in order to get the school to write us a check to do this show and I just decided I was going to do it so I took the bed sheet off of my bed and safety pinned it Someone had a wig on campus from like a camp show they did that summer. Uh, I wear a size 14 in men's uh, and I had no idea where to find heels in women's. That's two sizes. So like uh, a women's he- women's sizes are two sizes bigger than men. So if I'm 14, I was a 16 in women's heels, which is ridiculous. I know. And yeah. surprisingly, thank you to RuPaul's Drag Race. They actually make shoes now, but back then they did not. <laughs> And I did my first number with like some makeup that just a local uh, friend of mine in town did for me. And I did not want to do it, but I walked off that stage and I just had an absolute blast, right? Like I was like, yes. Um, So I did that show every year when I was in college. And then after college, I took a break because I was going to be a serious author at the time. And I was like, yes, well, being a serious author, it's a lot of serving tables and not making a ton of money. So one day went was due. And this was probably like two, two, three years after college. Uh, Rent was due. And there was a drag uh, pageant, or sorry, a drag competition happening in a town nearby me. And it's so crazy to think my rent was this low. But at the time, my rent was $500. And you could win $500 at doing this competition, right? So I entered and I won. But the particular venue loved me so much, they hired me and put me on the regular cast. And that's how I became professional. Yeah. That Uh, is amazing. Yeah. So then I started getting paid. And then after a while, um, Indiana just became real politically like shaky. Like I remember after Trump won, I walked out of my house and like three trucks drove by with Confederate flags. And I was like, I got to go. So I decided to move to Minneapolis. I did one amateur competition here. I ended up winning and I literally had the most amazing, like I've never done another free show unless it was for charity, which I'm more than happy to do that for, but I've never done a free show. I've able to expand myself, not only as a queen, but as a writer, I do, I'm writing again. Cause like I said, that was what I wanted to do. I'm back writing as, as my drag persona, I write an advice column for twin cities, gay scene um, and all the stuff I mentioned before. So that's kind of how I got to where I am today. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So you said that it started at a high school show. College, yeah. College, college. college. Okay, college. Yeah, in college, we were doing a fundraiser for like raising, I can't remember the name of the charity, but they were raising awareness for AIDS. Um, and it was this gala and we said, well, what's something we never done before? It's a drag show. And, but the the school said only if a student does drag because Mm -hmm. it needs to be an educational experience and they'll pay for it. So that's how I ended up in it. I did not want to do it. Uh, So funny. (laughs) I remember the first time I saw a drag queen, I was just like, I will never do that. And then (laughs) everybody talks about that moment where I said that now, because they're like, you said you would never do it. I was like, well, here we are. (laughs) What school was it? Wabash College in Crawfordsville, Indiana. It's one of like (laughs) two or three all male schools left. I, I used to, I think one was closing. I don't know if, or one merged. Uh, but at the time it was three and I think it, there may only be two all-male schools left now. Yeah. I know there's one in Virginia called Hampton, Sydney. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with it. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, Cause I'm, I'm from Virginia. And so, but I, I live in Oregon now and yeah, I remember like some girls that I went to high school with, or like even my sister, they would always go to Hampton city. I'm like, I have no desire to go to that school and deal with like these douchebag preppy boys. I know. Yeah, that's yeah, kind we of their vibe the over there. Of the cornfield, so you already know how that went. Like, yeah, oh yeah, everybody I'm was sure. gay, but they didn't want to admit it. It was it was a great time for me. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's still really cool that the school let you guys do it, and like the fact that you were as long as like you had the like there was you know conditions, but they were met, and I think that is really cool. And I'm sure that brought some like fun life to the school when there probably wasn't as much going on because it's. I don't, I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up because yeah. this is the part of the story I don't often tell. It was actually horrible. Oh, was it? I, yes. I actually think that what they thought was that we were going to not want to do it if we had to be in it. 
But I remember the first year we had it, like posters were getting torn down. So like this other organization donated some of their funds to have ours laminated. So like they couldn't be ripped. Like it was a battle actually. But this was 2006. I mean, I started before RuPaul's Drag Race came out. So yeah. there was not anywhere near the visibility it had now. So it was it was actually, I am impressed looking back that they did allow it to happen, but it does not mean that it made it any easier. No, it was definitely some BS. No, but it's okay. And I can, and I can see that unfortunately um and i am sorry that's kind of how the like the premiere of it happened but how did the actual show end up going oh gosh so i think like our first year was maybe like 15 people in the audience so when i did it for all four years it kept growing and Mm -hmm. they actually still do it at the college to this day oh hell yeah yeah but i actually ended up sticking around the town and a very interesting thing happened so when i graduated i got a job working for like at&t i think i had a few jobs when i was there i think that was the first one um so i ended up sticking around the area and i started running a show in that same town like at one of the local bars and before i moved right before i moved to Minneapolis, my show was actually so successful we were the highest paying show for drag queens in the entire state of indiana And you would have never thought it happened. And the reason why I bring that up is because, I mean, this was over a course of 10 years. So when I did my first show to when I left, it was was 10 years. And to start with people tearing down our posters and to end where there's a line out the door and wrapped around the corner and people are like fighting to see us, it just shows like how much changed in that time. And I, I didn't really realize how powerful it was for me to be a part of that because I mean I can do drag anywhere obviously and I would have an easier time doing drag in other places but there are still probably young queer people that are there and you know they needed to see that role model because it's such a conservative and oppressive place and I was able very thankful that I was able to do that and some of them have even gone on like I know one kid he's like an actor for Disney now and he was like I remember going to the shows and I just felt so welcome and I knew if I just left I would find somewhere else I was like you're right you should leave but there's people that are out there that are going to accept you so (laughs) yeah and I think it's so cool that you truly like left your mark there and you made such a huge difference where you were able to welcome that you were able to convince such a like small town Indiana to slowly welcome in drag and have it become a little bit more accepting and the fact that it is still going on at this campus is just wow incredible yeah and honestly I was so scared to move to a big city and I think that that's such an interesting part of my story because I was terrified but now that I look back on it I was like if I could do that then going to a big city would be so much easier and I don't know why I didn't see it that way but you just have those irrational fears that can hold you back sometimes yeah (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like Minneapolis has gotten um, a lot more progressive over the years. It's definitely going to be more liberal than small town Indiana. So, and I'm sure that's been like a really great spot. I know people say a lot of great things about um, the city. I would probably never live there just due to all the crazy weather in the winter. But besides that, I hear like, it's really sustainable. People are very health conscious there. There's a lot of great things to do over there. Um, Yeah. I, I hear it's a growing city. Quality of life here is amazing, but I'm not going to lie, and there's no way around it. It is cold. I mean, yeah. it's just cold. But the, I've honestly, there is drag seven nights a week here, and not even just one drag show. I mean, you could probably, you know, bar hop to a drag show on even like a Monday night. And that's really the reason why I moved here. There's so much work. Like, I knew that I would be working if I moved here, and so that it worked out for me. Yeah, and that makes sense. I feel like you could probably find the same in Portland. So that's where I'm based on Portland has like a there's a lot of great um like bars out here that do drag shows over New Year's Eve, my friends and I we went to this really well known drag bar and it's called Darcel 15. And so yeah, we went there for their New Year's Eve show. And it was such a great experience. I think she is one of the oldest drag queens out there. I think she's turning 93 this year. Oh my goodness. Yes. So she is fabulous. So she's currently in a wheelchair, but she is still performing at 93 years old in a wheelchair. Oh my God. The show was awesome. And I think that's why people like love going there because just of all the determination and the passion for drag and the fact that she loves performing and is still doing it. Um, you know, I think she's going to do it until the day she dies. Literally. Are you all dealing with any of the laws they're making about drag shows out in Oregon yet? Oh, gosh, you need to enlighten me because I don't think I've heard of this yet. 
Yeah, so I know in Kentucky and Indiana, they're now passing bills that will not allow drag to be performed within so many feet of a church or school. Um, And so what it's doing is that some clubs that are within those feet or of schools are like, you know, historical gay clubs are potentially not allowed to perform drag anymore. So uh, I don't know if that's, thankfully it's not happening in Minnesota, but I do have friends in Indiana that it is potentially happening too. And um, it's a pretty scary time. I actually really had a great experience just a couple weekends ago. I did an all ages show and I had two performers that were 15 years old come and do drag for the first time, like at the show. It was so amazing. And there was nothing wrong with it. Like they just wanted to perform. And I'm just like, why? Drag does have a very, um, a very overly adult, we'll just say that, uh, tone to it in certain clubs. But as an art form itself, it's really the art form of creating, you know, an illusion, creating a fantasy with confidence and sass and glamour and all the things that you mm-hmm. want it to be. And there's no reason why kids can't can't yeah that type of empowerment, you know? Yeah. Okay. So now that you brought that up, I do, okay. That I am familiar with. I just wasn't familiar if Oregon was doing it because that yeah. would really surprise me. I know Portland would probably not tolerate that BS, but yeah. Okay. I did know that like conservatives are now starting to freak out about drag and the story and, times and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it like just being inappropriate for children. Like that's literally not true. Drag can absolutely be friendly, family friendly. You have to know your audience right so maybe like don't lip sync to songs with dirty words in it like sing to maybe you could sing to disney songs or something like there are so many things you can do with drag that can make it family friendly y'all can dress up as like disney princesses that would be perfect for drag come on yes and i think that the general public thinks that a drag queen is a drag queen is a drag queen and most of the people i've seen with issues like there was one situation where this queen wasn't trying but they didn't wear the right dress and like it rode up and like when you're in drag, you're wearing like eight pairs of tights, right? So you're not seeing anything, but like it looked like her dress flew up and it was at a kid's story time and it was an accident. But I was just like, you have to get a professional that knows like how to handle it. So a lot of people truly honestly think drag queens are cheap entertainment and they can be, but then mm-hmm. this is what you get. So I was like, if you're going to do stuff that has a lot of weight and a lot of press and things that need to be right way, get a queen and pay them correctly and there will be no problems, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, no, totally. I, I totally get that for sure. Um, But I loved all of that. And I think it's so cool with like what you're doing and how you've made such a difference. And now here you are still being a performer. And now I think I heard you mention that you direct your own performances now. Yeah, so I show direct that I will be honest with you. It's not my favorite thing in the world. I okay. just happen to be good at it. Okay. I'm very detail oriented. I know, I always think of two things when I create an event. I was like, what is the experience going to be? Because that's when, what keeps people wanting to come back. You always have to consider what the audience member is going to want. But then after creating a good experience, I make sure that my entertainers have everything they need to put on a good show because you have to like make sure that the show is top notch and I it's not the venue it's not necessarily the audience members it's how great the entertainment's going to be um so I started running that but then I noticed that in Minneapolis I found myself often being the only person of color in the drag shows so um and I also noticed that you know trans performers weren't getting as many opportunities um just because I don't want to say it was just because they're trans but I think when you intersect trans and drag, that's a lot of um, identity stuff to figure out. I'm not trans, so I, I'm not going to speak to that experience particularly, but I just felt like due to the fact that, you know, they were struggling with their personal identity plus their stage identity, they weren't given enough space to really figure themselves out. And so I created a show that provided space for both those marginalized communities. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's the show that I run now. And I'm very, very happy to do I, that. I like that. And I am really glad to hear that you created like a safe space for other marginalized groups. And one thing that stood out to me is when you talked about identity, because with drag, because not every person that does drag, in fact, I know like, I feel like a lot of people or a lot of guys that do drag, um, they're not necessarily like, they're not even necessarily gay. Like some of them are even straight too. And yeah. so- I'm curious to know, like with the identity situation, when you were not obviously like in performing attire, you're not, you're not Lala, you are your own person. 
you know, how is it like, how do you like drag queens like to be addressed? Do they typically just end up going, being addressed by their regular pronouns to what they're assigned to or what they are or what, how they identify themselves? Or do they still like to be called she and her even when they're not in drag? I've always been so curious about that. Cause it's like, when you talk about drag queens and you're like, oh, she, but then sometimes you might say he, because like, you do know that is a man, but when you talk about queens, like you use she. So it's, it's like, what is the identity situation like and how people identify and I guess address drag queens in and out of um, character? Sure. It's different for everybody. I'm going to, I'll do this in two parts. One, it's different for everybody. Um, everybody's their own person and every person is their own drag entertainer. So for example, not to say that your question is valid or try to say anything about what you're asking, but a lot of people would never ask how, what pronouns someone uses just because they play b- football or what pronouns they use just because they do ballet. It's That's just true, the yeah. same thing. It's this, it would drag. It's like, just because someone does drag doesn't really have anything to do with their pronouns. Now, because gender is such a hard, uh, such an incorporated part of drag, I understand why people have the question. So it's a completely fair question. Okay. Uh, so you should always ask, but here's the thing. So when people see drag, they think that it's just, for example, someone who identifies as male, then transforming into some type of female character or someone who generally identifies as female in their day-to-day life, transitioning into a more masculine character. But the community has had for a long time, actually four different categories. So there are drag queens, which are male identifying uh, people dressing as women, then drag kings that are, uh, you know, femme identifying people dressing more masculine. There's also called um, like bio queens that are women, people who identify as women, but then want to amplify their femininity um, and their fabulousness by kind of dressing similar to what people consider what drag queens look like, like over the top. And then there's actually something called uh, male entertaining. And it's sort of like a guy version of like a Las Vegas showgirl. So they're men and they're presented as men, but they have super flashy costumes. I'm talking like feathers and stuff like that. Yeah. So when you actually dive into modern drag, there is so many different ways to express yourself that it's almost like your gender doesn't matter. I've Mm -hmm. had a few trans drag children and I've said to them, I said, look, I was like, I don't really care how you live your life day to day. I was like, that's your choice. That's your business. I'm going to support you anyway. But when you come and do drag, I want a fantasy. I want an illusion. I want to be taken somewhere else and I want to be entertained. And so that's really the difference when you're talking about gender identity between the two. Um, I know for me personally, it's she, her in drag, Um, out of drag. uh, I really don't care. The thing with me is that my personality doesn't change. I'm not one of those people that's like a completely different person. So like if someone calls me Lala and I'm not a drag, I don't care. Um, You know, or, you know, Kevin, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter to me because I, my personality transcends both people. So I understand where, because my energy doesn't change. They use whatever name they know me by and that's totally okay with me. But I always ask, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And like the reason I asked this was because when you brought up the whole identity crisis, that is what I was curious to know, like when it comes to identification within drag. And I, hey, I learned something new when you talked about the four categories. Now, I already knew about drag kings and queens, but yeah. the other two you mentioned, I was like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. And that's really cool to learn that. Yeah. It's not in every city, but I do know, surprisingly, the Midwest, like every Miss pageant always has a Mr. And it can either be a drag king or um, one of like the, you know, the more show show uh, guy types. Um, you don't see it as much on the coast, but yeah, in the Midwest, it's totally a thing. And and uh, like, I know in New York, there's honestly, there's more than just four. Like if you get into those communities in like Chicago that have like the balls and stuff, so many different things. And gender is, if you're stuck on the gender, you are missing the point. Uh, yeah. You know, I think anything over the top at some point has to let go of certain constraints and gender is one of them. But yeah. if you want to be a great artist, you know, you don't let that limit you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that makes complete sense. Yeah, I've never um, been to a drag king performance here in Portland. I'm sure there are many done in San Francisco because I used to live there before I moved to Portland. Yeah. But yeah, I still have never like heard of it being done in Portland. I'm sure it exists somewhere. I just, you know, would need to like further look into it because I would totally go to um, a drag king performance and, you know, see how those performances are, if they're any different from drag queen performances or if they're the exact same, it's just, you know, different characters. Maybe it's just me and maybe where I'm in, but I feel like you always hear more talk about queens than kings. What is your take on that? 
Absolutely. And that's actually something I'm actively trying to fix here and where I'm at right now. So I perform at a bar, my show where power started black heart of St. Paul. Um, and I would say I'm the number two selling show and the number one selling show is the drag King show because okay. it's the only one in the area, not the only, I think there's a couple more now, but when I first moved here, it was the only one that was an all drag King show and people really loved it. Well, I just recently did their pageant, which is their Miss pageant, but they don't have a mister. So one of my goals is to start the mister pageant uh, during my reign as the, the Miss and try to give more visibility to those entertainers. Because honestly, I think that those transformations are just as hard. They're just mm -hmm. as challenging. And honestly, they put on a great show. It's, it's a different feel than drag, but in terms of like, all the elements of like transformation and stuff it very much is similar to going to a drag show and the setup is they, they come out and they lip sync it just is I don't know kind of like the difference between seeing the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys you know it's just it's just a different kind of thing but it's still all pop music so I really 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 want to give visibility and my, more visibility in my area to drag kings because I've, I've seen the shows and there is a market there because people are showing up and buying. And if you have a chance to go to one, I would say, take it. It's You're going to have an amazing time. Absolutely. Awesome. So earlier you mentioned that you write a column um, and I know that's something you do outside of drag. So I would love to hear more about your self-love column and uh, what it's called and what it's about. Great question. My column is called Snack Scene. Uh, the reason why it's called Snack Scene is because I write for Twin Cities Gay Scene, and so everything kind of has like a scene theme. So mine's called Snack Scene, and I call it the Nutritional Facts of Life. And basically, I do, I've been doing a lot of interviews lately. I really had an opportunity just recently to interview Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. That was probably like the biggest interview I've done. Yeah. They were so funny. Uh, but mostly, I just kind of talk about different experiences I've had. Like, I know I've talked about like getting ghosted before or like I um, went on a, I started therapy, but I've actually already ended it because I'm doing much better. But I remember when I started that, I talked about like what it was like trying to find a therapist. So like, I mean, honestly, really, I just talk about everything that I'm going through because you never know what someone else is going through. And mm -hmm. if you don't share your experiences, I mean, I remember when I shared my thoughts on like finding a therapist in a world where like everybody's in therapy right now especially because of the pandemic people are like that was so helpful um and stuff like that so yeah that's kind of what I do it's really more of a companion piece to my podcast and then because it's an entertainment magazine if there's a certain type of guest then you know I have to interview him like when I had the offer for Jonathan Menace I was like I want it I don't care if another writer does it's fine <laughs> <laughs> So. But what, what would you say has been like your favorite piece of advice that you've given or like your favorite column that you've written? That's a really good question. Every, everything is so, when you're a writer or you're a content creator, I, I, you must feel this too. Like everything is so important in its own way. And especially when you feel like your latest episode is probably your best because you've learned more and you've grown more and stuff like that. Overall, say everything like it, this would sort of transcend everything that I've written. Mm -hmm. I would say everyone has a right to feel good about themselves and everyone has a right to feel fabulous. And there is no greater power than when you are truly in alignment with yourself and what you're doing and who you're being and where you're going. And that's what like feeling good and fabulous is to me. I know that as a drag queen, a lot of women tend to ask like, how do you do your makeup or like this and that stuff? And I was just like, yes, it is very beautiful makeup. I'm not going to lie. But it, all of that is sort of like the sprinkles on a Sunday of self-love, you know, mm -hmm. and confidence and empowerment, you know, like the, the, the costumes and the stuff, it is all built on the fact that you have to walk in your truth. And so I think that no matter what someone wants to do, whether or not it's drag and I actually did like a super cool exercise if we have time to tell this. So I gave a speech yeah. at Minnesota State University and it was my first public speaking gig. I actually sort of like said um, about a year ago that I wanted to start doing like public speaking. So I had my first gig just this past weekend. And so I did this exercise. And I said, we're going to mentally get in drag, right? And so I had uh, this girl come up and I said, I want you to walk across the stage. So she walked across the stage just normal. And I was like, okay. And I was like, let's like come up with the drag character. I was like, 
what is your favorite animal? They're like, it's a phoenix. I'm like, okay. I was like, what's your favorite color? They're like, it's black. I was like, okay, black phoenix. I was like, I want you to like imagine yourself as a wonderful drag queen called Black Phoenix and who she would be and stuff like that. And then I was like, and I want you to walk across the stage again. And it was just like a completely different person walked off the stage. And so if I can say anything, it's like your attitude and your mindset can change that quickly. And if you need to create a drag persona to get into that, to, to get into that state of who you want to be, go ahead and do it. Because I know that when, when I didn't have confidence as Kevin and I became Lala, I was able to found that. And the more and more I did drag, the more and more confidence translated into the rest of my life. And, you know, I'm not wearing a wig and heels in my day-to-day life, but I still have that attitude, you know? And that's what <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I think that's so awesome that like you did those exercises with people to help them like boost that confidence. And according to like your little exercise, I guess my drag name would be Purple Horse. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I mean, I'm a purple girl, if you can see by my hair. <laughs> I love it. And I'm going to tell you, if it don't, like, your drag name should be able to grow with you. I went through three before I landed on Lala. So if you feel like changing at any point, go on ahead. <laughs> Ooh, what, were, what were your previous names? Oh, gosh. I First, I was Hershey Coco. Hershey Coco. Okay. Yeah. Uh, her slash she Coco. It was great. I thought I was winning. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I then, get it. I was ginger snaps very briefly. And then I said, I have got to get away from food if I'm going to be in this industry. So <laughs> um, I think you might be a little bit too young to remember this. Do you remember TRL? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there was Lala Anthony. No, she's now Lala Anthony. I can't remember what her name was. Like she got married to the basketball player with the last name Anthony, but she was Lala on TRL. She was one of the hosts. And so that's what I named myself after. Um, I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's how I got started. That's how I settled on Lala. That's so cute. That's so cute. And I like your own spin on the name Lucius with the Z. It's luscious. It's just luscious. Thank you. Sorry. Yes, yes, it is. You know, honestly, I I regret that if I had I only <laughs> really have one regret and that it's that. Because yeah. Why is it because no I one, mispronounced it? <laughs> everybody. No, but everybody does. But then, like, it's been that way for so long. Like, I can't change it. But like. You know, that's the thing, like, who wants to tell, like, I mean, I think I changed probably, this is probably like, oh, so what, I was 18, 19, I was probably like 20, I don't even think I was 21 when I changed it to Lala. How are you going to make a decision for the rest of your life at 20 years old? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I thought it was so cute to spell it that way then, and I'm telling you, I can't stand it now, but that's okay. You know, it's a part of my story, and I, I would certainly not change it for anything, but doesn't get up if I could go back in time and change one thing about Lala that would definitely be it <laughs> yeah well listen people pronounce or mispronounce my name wrong all the fucking time I feel your pain nobody can spell it correctly or pronounce it correctly because like the issue with my name is so it's I-L-A-N-A that's how my name is spelled but when it comes down to fonts it fucks me over because the capital L with so many fonts it's a fucking line and it's like no, that's not what it looks like an L. Yeah. yeah. And like a lowercase L. And we've been taught in school from day one that capitalize it's a line with two lines across yeah. the yeah. top and the bottom. That is what a capital I looks like. And I don't understand why fonts do not fucking understand this. And they make it as just like a straight line. And then literally when you put it next to an L, it literally looks like two L's when people call me Lana. And I'm like, nope, try again because that is not a capital L. And like people also forget the fact that your like names are capitalized. The first letter of a name is capitalized. Does yeah. that look like a capital L to you? So it just like, it blows my mind that people like don't remember things from elementary school. And they're like in their 20s, 30s, 40s, so on and so forth. I'm like, this is sad. This is really sad, guys. But I think they're teaching less. Like I learned cursive, but my younger sisters did not. I learned cursive too growing up. Yeah, I yeah. do not write in cursive. The only time I ever write in cursive is for my signature. Yeah, I don't, but I did learn it, you know, and my sister straight up did not. So I just think it's so interesting how, what they're teaching nowadays, but you know, that's America and the school systems. They certainly yep. need to start teaching drag. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Agreed. Agreed. So I know we're coming up on time here, but basically my last question is, what is the biggest piece of advice you can give to someone who is looking to get into drag and start performing? Oh, this is a good question. I thought you were going to ask, like, what's your best piece of life advice? Um, okay. To get, so in drag, yeah, to get in drag and start performing. Um, 
I would say there's two things. Okay. One, take care of yourself first. I think that there is, I had times in my life where it was like, do I pay my electric bill or do I buy this new outfit? Um, and stuff like that, because there's such a pressure to have, to get to really like make money and drag. You have to have a lot of nice things and it takes a while to get there. Mm-hmm. But I felt I was not able to produce the art that I wanted to do because there were times in my life where it was not putting myself and my well-being first. And so it really didn't matter how beautiful my outfit was or what it was. I just really couldn't get where I needed to go ultimately because I wasn't taking care of myself. So that is the one, one thing I will say. And that is most important, which is going to somewhat contradict what I'm about to say next. Okay. While you should never make the choices I've made, such as not paying your electric bill, you do need to want to do it that bad. Like there needs to be a fire inside you that nothing is stopping you. And that is one thing I can say that I've always had because I have literally watched this industry change from something nobody wanted to see to something that's like, you know, it was kind of accepted, kind of not. Now uh, drag is everywhere. And, you know, I've had to be able to grow and adapt and change all those different types of environments while still on my journey. Um, Because, you know, as an artist and entertainer, you grow every time you have a new experience. So I'm still growing and changing as who I am as an artist. So it's, it's a lot of fortitude to do this. If you want to do it professionally, you need to be, you need to really, really, really love it. You need to really, really need to want it. And I, I think that that would be my advice for someone who wants to do it on a professional level. Yeah. On a, however, on a personal level, I do feel everyone benefits from doing some type of drag and it does not necessarily need to be the full transformation, but just the act of sort of, uh, have you ever heard that expression? Like when you're working dress for the job you have or dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, drag is very much a way of fantasizing and making an illusion of wherever you want to go next. So if, I love that. Yeah. If you're, a, if you, for example, with you wanting to be a content creator full-time, I remember one day I was a server and I was still, I was doing drag on the side, but I just started telling people, I was like, no, I'm a drag queen. I just also serve. Yeah. And honestly, just that, just that shift um, helps. So I would say everyone has benefit from doing drag drag and if if it actually is like actually getting in drag or if it's just creating a fantasy and an illusion of someone they want to be in the most perfect most fabulous way in their head there is a benefit to doing it so I would say try it if it's just on that level but yeah the other advice if you want to do it on a professional level you got to really want it but do take care of yourself (laughs) yeah I think like a good way is first like first like you know work on your priorities and figure out like what's a priority first to make sure like you're taking care of yourself then see what's what you can do with wanting to get into drag like finding that balance is going to be really important is kind of what I'm hearing yes and listening and understanding the art I think that a lot of people watch shows like RuPaul's Drag Race and think they can just do it but when I tell you there are so many things about a drag queen's look that you just don't that don't meet the eye Like Mm -hmm. there's about how they like transform the way their body's shaped and stuff to look more, however they're wanting to look, may it be feminine, masculine, whatever they're trying to do. Um, There's so much technique. And I have done most of my learning sitting in dressing rooms and just watching other people do what they do. Also great advice for anybody who wants to get somewhere else, get yourself in those rooms, get yourself in those spaces with the people that are already doing what you want to doing and watch them and pay attention. And that's how, that's how I've learned quickly uh how to do things just because I paid attention yeah I think that's really great advice so anyone out there who's listening who wants to get into drag take that advice and run with it because I think it sounds like it's going to be really helpful I mean shit like I I was really blown away and I think you said some really great points about like mindset shift and you know being ready to go into it and learning and understanding I think those are really important valuable lessons that people can take away for sure Yes, and it can apply to anything. I mean, definitely drag, but no matter what you're trying to do, and if you're listening to this, mindset shift, believe in yourself. Even if you don't create create someone in your mind that does and run with it, it's going to get you places. It certainly did for me. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Lala, if people wanted to find you, where can they find you? And hell, even see you perform. Yes. Yeah, so I am all over the Twin Cities. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram at Lala Luscious, which is L-U-Z-I-O-U-S, I'm always posting about my shows. 
it is best to check my story because normally I've posted like what shows I have for the week there if you're in the Twin Cities area. Um, but I do have posts on my timeline sometimes as well. But I always like every day, I think I post like whatever shows I've left for every week. Um, I also have uh, my podcast, snacksizepodcast.com. Um, that'll give you a link to my book, uh, which is a book of poetry as well, if you're into all of that. And stay tuned because I'm hoping, this is actually an exclusive, I've told no one except my friends this yes. I'm hoping that later this year, I'm going to have my own line of lipstick. We're working out the kinks. I was actually just... Uh, working on some things before I was doing this podcast with that. So I'm really, really excited to see if that happens. I'm thinking around. Yeah. I so mean, for, I love makeup, so I'll have yes. to keep a look out for it. Yes. I've, uh, I'm doing this myself has been hard, but I found, um, somebody that will make things that are like paraben free and cruelty free and stuff like that, because that stuff's really important to me. Like, honestly, it's important to me too, actually. Yeah. I want, like, I want as a drag queen, I want something with the high pigmentation, but I don't want to compromise all that stuff to get it. So for, for um, sure, it, finding the right people to work with has been a challenge. And this is just yes. me letting you all into the process of, you know, trying to be a multimedia mogul. But yeah, so um, follow me on those things. Uh, Facebook, I'm on there. Um, my show Power has all of its own Instagrams um, and stuff. And if you click on my page, you'll see all that stuff. Please follow all of me, all of my channels. Um, and definitely I am going to start following you more and I can't wait to see what's next for you. What's next and big for you? What do you think? Well, after my trip, I will probably try and see what's out in the job market and see what's going on. It's going to be a really daunting process. I'm hoping this can be my last corporate job ever. Um, but right now I'm just focusing on content and doing me and I'm happy. Um, it definitely is nice to not have to, um, report to someone because I can do things my way and say whatever I want and do whatever I want without getting in trouble or getting fired. Well, I would, I do work a job as well. Surprisingly, I do other stuff and I still work 40 hours a week, uh, at, uh, it's not a corporate job, but it is a job. Um, so, uh, but I will say this, I would challenge you that no matter what you do next, Start calling yourself a content creator first and then whatever job you have next. Oh, fuck yeah, I love that. Yeah, start doing that. It's really, really, really going to change the doors that open for you because if you put that type of energy out in the universe, I'm telling you things respond. The minute I started doing that, that's actually when like my professional stove started that I started running in Indiana and stuff like that just that energy alone is going to bring you where you want to go. So start doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is when you like mentioned, <laughs> when you talked about your serving job and you said, well, I'm a drag queen who just does serving on this side. That's exactly what I was thinking is like, ah, oh, I should start calling myself a content creator who does recruiting on this side. It's a mindset shift. And yeah, it puts it out into the universe. I'm a full believer in manifestation. So that is definitely something that I can take and run with. So I got, I you. look forward to it. I can't yeah. wait to see Absolutely. It has been, oh, and by the way, I will have all the links to um, Lala's social handles in the description down below for anyone who wants to check out Lala and follow her. But Lala, it has been an amazing pleasure having you on the show. You were so fun to talk to. I learned so many great things and you really have a great story. Um, I'm so excited for your episode and um, guys, if you ever have a um, unapologetic experience that you ever want to share, you can always email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelesslyunapologetic. Lala, once again, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I really, really look forward to seeing everything that's going to come, uh, come to fruition for you. I just know what's going to happen. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone.